Hallelujah. Well, we are in February in the second weekend, and we are speaking about it's the love of Christ that compels us. Now, now, this is one thing that you must discover in your life. You've got your idea, and then there's a devil idea, and then there's a God's idea. Now, the battle between every person is always Satan tries people to do his will. Now, human nature tries to tell us, do my own will. And then there's a God's will that's got the only guarantee that it can work and can <laughs> until the end of time. Now, the only thing that's going to exist into eternity is not the governments of the world, but it's the kingdom, the church of Jesus Christ is going to be forever and ever and ever, and we're going to spend forever and ever eternity with each other. Come on, somebody. And that's why it's important to understand one thing that God, and this is what I've discovered this year, and even since last year, the Lord is tucking on people's hearts. That's why God says, give me your heart. If he got your heart, he's got everything. He's got your, your, your life. He's got your money. He's got the fame. And uh, we never can boast in ourselves because it's a heart issue. Say it's a heart issue. And you remember just about last week when the attorney came to Jesus and said, Master, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your strength. Then love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, this is very powerful stuff because this is what Jesus came for to explain to us what is it about the kingdom. And when Paul says the love of Christ, if any other love moves your heart, it's going to fail. Let me help you. Human love doesn't carry the ability to go through. That's why you've seen people stand in front of the altar and they say, for better, for worse, and we're going to be, now I've said it before, I don't use that formula, and uh, then after 30 years, I know people that got a divorce after 50 years, and where's the better for worse? No. And uh, then they're gone and out, and it's over because human love. <laughs> Somebody, I counseled them, and she said, well, the Bible says the husband must love the wife, and it says nothing about the wife love the husband. I don't love him. I just tolerate him. I said, oh, I see big trouble. It's like you show a red, a bull, a red cloth or thing. And uh, now that any love can fail. But God's love can never fail. And the Bible comes and says that love was poured out in our hearts. Now, now the, the, the powerful thing is that Scripture tells us you and I don't belong any longer to ourselves. Now, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 and 28, God brings his idea. Say a God idea. How many of us had ideas and it was not a God idea and it failed? Help me somebody. Okay, two people raised their hands. My word, I have a lot of saints here this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Now, 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 I have learned this valuable thing. 
it says, God said, let us. Now, God never works only on his own. He works with a team. Say a team. And where there's a team, there's conquest. That's why you cannot make life work on yourself. You need a team. You need, that's why we spoke about the seven uh, unchangeable <laughs> callings of God on your life. God works with a team. If you are an island somewhere in your own life, ek and my house, we don't need to, it's not ek and me and myself, you're never going to make it. Because you, God designed us, he created us that we need each other. Turn to somebody, say, I need you. I need you. Tell somebody else on the other side. Now, I first saw you told the neighbor's wife, I need you. No, no. First tell your wife, I need you. And then you tell other people you need them. Hallelujah. He says, God said, let us make Father, Son, and Holy Spirit make mankind in our image and after our likeness and let them have complete authority. So God created you for a purpose. You were created by God for God. And then verse 28 comes and then it reveals to us and God blessed them after he created them. And he looked at the man and he said, he's phenomenal, he's awesome. He looked at the woman, he said, oh my word, she's going to need makeup. No, God didn't say that. He looked at both of them. And God made man and he blessed them. And uh, he says, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth and subdue. And using all its vast resources in the service of God and man. Did you pick that up? All the resources you have is for God and man. Uh, that means to take care of the widow, the orphan, and the poor. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds, and everything. And uh, that explained to you, say, that's God's idea. Uh, no, 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 say that the devil can hear it, pack his bags, and squat in another country. Say, it's God's idea. So God has an idea. He's got a divine purpose and a plan. Now, now here Paul comes, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, and he says, you do not belong to yourself. Oh, my word. <laughs> did, did you discover you're not your own? Turn to your husband, turn to your wife, turn to your children, turn to your parents, say, I, I'm just loaned to you. God just gave me to you that I can. He entrusted me, but I actually belongs to him. Do you not know that your body is the temple, the very sanctuary? The other translation says the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit who lives where? Within you. Whom you have received as a gift from God. And what is that last few words, five words? You are not your own. Hallelujah. Now, if we can stop living, if we are our own, we can change the world. Help me, somebody. That's a biblical instruction. That's a revelation. You were by, God said, let us make man. And then Paul comes and he says, you are not your own. The Amplified says, you are not your own property. Hallelujah. In other words, you belong to God. Now, if, if something belongs to you and your neighbor and the, the garden person and some stranger just come in and use what you, what's yours, how do you feel about it? 
You say, oh, you the sweetest thing. You God saint. You can use it as long as you want to. Do you do that? No. You set yourself in another gear and something stand up on the inside. Why? My property. Whoever <laughs> things were stolen from. And you say, oh, that thief was so anointed. I'm so glad that God sent him to steal my money, my cell phone, my everything. No. You run to the police and you open a case and you are dangerous, vicious. Because it belongs to you. How much more must God feel the way if Scripture says God said, I'm a jealous God. Listen, family, and we're not here and operate in God's agenda. Because the whole thing in February, the love of Christ compel us. That's what Paul was telling the believers there in 2 Corinthians. He came with that word and to explain to us 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. And he says that we are no longer our own property, but the love of Christ compels us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and is it verse 14? And it says something like this so powerful. Therefore, is it 2 Corinthians 5? Ah, okay. Is that verse 1? Therefore, being conscious of fearing the Lord with respect and reverence, we seek to win people over. I need verse number 14. 14. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let me go to my translation. And uh, what it tells us, Paul says, it's the love of Christ that compels me, that drives me, that forces me, that gives me a direction for the love of Christ controls. Do you see the word there? What controls Paul? Paul is a model. Jesus is our perfect model. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And this is the thing. Because Christianity is not just uh, say, I love you, Lord, but I don't have time for God. It says the love of Christ control. What controls us? The love of Christ and urges and impels us because we are of the opinion and conviction that if one died for all, then all died. What was the driving force behind Paul? Was the love of Christ that compels us, drives us, controls us. I want to read out of the message translation there's an awesome scripture of that same, and the translators went to explain to us this powerful thing. And it says something like this. The Afrikaans was so powerful this morning that what we were reading, it says that keeps us vigilant. You can be sure it's no light thing to know that we all one day stand in that place of judgment. That's why we work urgently with everyone we meet to get them ready to face God. What do we do? We need to work to, uh, and that get people ready. God alone knows, God alone knows, knows how well we do this, but I hope you realize how much and deeply we care. We're not saying this to make ourselves look good to you. We just thought it would make you feel good, proud even, that we on your side and not just nice to your face 
as so many people are. Oh, my word. He said, if I acted crazy. So you, some of you think I'm crazy. I'm in the Bible here. If I acted crazy, I did it for God. If I acted only serious, I did it for you. Christ's love, verse 14, has moved me to such extremes. His love has the first and the last word in everything we do. It has the first and the last word. Oh, my word. Our firm decision is to work from this focus center. One man died for everyone. He says that puts everyone in the same boat. He includes everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life. A resurrection life. <laughs> Turn to somebody, say, wake up. Wake up, Susie. You have resurrection life. Hallelujah. A far better life than people ever lived on their own. This is so powerful when you suddenly realize, Paul says, this is what makes me operate like I operate. It's that love that I suddenly discover. Uh, he was a Christian terrorist busy murdering and killing Christians when the light of God came upon him. My word. And then Paul had an encounter with the Lord. Now, this is important stuff to know because if Scripture says this, and Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, we are, listen, if we can put it up, we are what? And then you will discover the moment you give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're no longer on your own. Anybody that operates on him or herself are an orphan. And orphans and slaves and hirelings was never included in the plan of God for your life. And this is a note that you can make. Because this is, for we are fellow workmen, joint promoters, Laborers together with and for God. So the word with is first and then for. A lot of people say, I'm doing it for God. No, you need to work with God. Get God's agenda. Let me give you quickly two things maybe that's going to help you. And then you can go home. Number one, I must adopt God's agenda. Because this is important, COVID and all the stuff that's happening and load sharing and disaster country and whatever they can say makes people, and I've never seen selfish and self-centeredness like I've seen since the COVID things happened. And that was Satan's strategy to get people to fail I am independent. I can just do it my way. No, there's only one way that's the right way, and that's God's way. Help me, somebody. And what is God's agenda? God created you. Then Satan messed it up. Then he purchased you. So twice the price was paid that you are his possession. Help me, somebody. And then Jesus at the age of 12, the first time you hear Jesus speaking, 
was at the age of 12. His parents and were in a place, and then they traveled back and discovered after a few days Jesus is not with them, turned back, and then they confront the boy, and the first words came out of his mouth, Don't you know that I am busy with my father's business? Wow. Now, I don't know many 12 years old that say that. And then you find Jesus. He's, he came for a purpose. Everything God does, he was driven by a purpose. Paul was driven by can preach a battery flat. And uh, listen, people, thank you, thank you, Stephen. And uh, this is the thing that you need. What's driving you in life? Is it fame? Is it ambition? Is it money? Is it to be important? Is it cars? Is it houses? Is it land? What drives you in this life? All those things that drives you, if it's not the love of Christ, will fade out. Help me. They will recognize you for one moment, and the next moment when you're gone, they say, he was, but, and then somebody else carries on. But when I live on the face of the earth to fulfill God's purpose, the problem with the modern church is we major on the minors and minor on the majors. Because this kind of messages you don't hear about the heartbeat of the Father. Live out the purpose, what you were designed for on the face of the earth. Well, uh, a motor mechanic and a doctor and a dentist, and we have dentists here, and uh, all but that's not, that's just your part-time job. That's to help you to make a living. That's not there to let you live. Your purpose, why you on the face of the earth in the new birth is, what am I here for? And I'm here for to do the will of the Father. You find Jesus at the age of 12, then you find him at the age of 33 and a half years in the Garden of Gethsemane. And listen what he says. He says, Father, he says, the mission you gave me, the job, the instruction, John, in, in John chapter 20, I think it is, 27. He says, he said, I have completed this. I've completed my job. I've completed my purpose. And what did Jesus do? He knew Judas Iscariot's going to come and, my word, betray him. Then he said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. This is the most powerful prayer you can ever pray. Let God's will be done in your life and in my life and not my own will. Because my own will can lead me astray. Help me. So if I am, what's God's agenda? For God so loved the world that nobody will perish. People are prophesying Jesus is coming next year. And I guarantee you he's not coming next year. Why? 
we're in trouble if he comes next year. We didn't complete our godly assignment. He said he will come when the gospel has been preached to the other parts of the world. Every nation in the book of Revelation, every tribe, every person will hear about Jesus save. And he gave his life. Come on, somebody. There's nations right now that have never heard. Flying to Russia in May. I'm doing the World Conference there. They elect me out of South Africa to do it. And um, the gospel needs to be preached. People need to Egypt. My word. Listen, this is the stories that needs to happen. Because if, if Jesus, if God says, give me your heart, the heart is important. Not only my mind. That's why a lot of people say, I'm committed. Yeah, you can be committed, but are you surrendered? Surrender is bigger than commitment. Because I can be committed and be absent. I can be committed, listen, and do my own thing. But when I'm surrendered, I am no longer, Paul says, I, the prisoner, then the apostle of the Lord. He, he made you free so that you can become a prisoner of the Lord. And that prison ship is not, my word, a difficult thing. It's to live in freedom, hallelujah, under control of the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of you. And God's Spirit is not confused. God's Spirit will always lead you in the same direction. In all truth, He leads you out of Egypt to lead you in. His ideas not a wilderness for 40 years. The Hebrew children caused the wilderness on themselves. God took them out of Egypt. Egypt didn't went out of them. And now they had to die that Egypt can come out so that a new generation can move in. And this is what's so important in this time frame. I need to adopt God's agenda. God's agenda is he's in that on that cross, and he says, I am willing to pay the price. I refuse to live alone. I am willing to die. To die. That's God's agenda. So that you and I can live. Genesis 3, everything was perfect. Adam and Eve, Satan came in the form of a snake. And sometimes there's snakes in our gardens that we need to get rid of because it's going to divide your attention for the greater purpose, for the divine plan of God. Come on, somebody. God's plan is the only. You cannot say, well, I do God's plan, mix it with my plan, and then I have a great plan. No, you head for disaster. It's only I adopt God's plan. Watch your will. Pray like Jesus. Not my will, Father, but your will be done. Hallelujah. That is what we need to do. Say, God's will in my life be done. The second thing that what, so God called you and me to preach the gospel, say to share the good news, to be living testimonies. The second thing that what we need to deal because people are, they not focused and we need to get focus back in our lives. What's important, what's not so important. Help me. 
You can work your whole life very hard and have all the money of the world. And then if you're sick, you pay all that money that you worked for the whole life to get you healed again. And people say, work, work, work. I, I am, you know, the staff here say, what's your la love language? They say, his love language is work. That's all what is work, 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 work. But you need to work with effectiveness, with purpose, that have eternal value. What's the colonel that was here that passed away? Uh... Jerome, from the Hawks. And uh, Jerome was important. He's phenomenal. He's a phenomenal. And when he died the day, I was thinking, my word. They just appoint somebody else, and there the job goes on. Same with us. One president died, they just put another one on. There the job goes on. But when you live out, now thank God, he lived out for God, and he knows God, and he did everything, and was a person of impact. Because that's what God called us to be. But if we have all these focus thieves around us, and this is what Paul was telling the believers, my word, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7.35, the New Living Translation says, do Whatever will help you serve the Lord best with a few distractions as possible. <laughs> That's in your Bible. Distractions is Satan's weapon against you. To get you sidetracked, not living out the complete assignment. Some of these people that died, they were babies. When they were dedicated, there was words prophetic speaking over their life, spoken over their lives. And the question is always, Nicky van Avestaysen was killed in my car. He was 45 years of age. And the day with his funeral, we were in Isando at Christian City. And Pastor Theo Vormerans looked at Nicky, 45 years, and he said, this man died without completing his godly assignment. I never want to die without completing what I was designed for. Help me. Because we distractions will be Satan's way. How to get you not to live out what you were designed for. If you want God's blessing on your life. If you want God's power <laughs> through your life, if you want God's anointing to manifest through you, you need to adopt God's agenda for your life. This is how it's going to happen, people. My word. Now, if I can get rid of distractions, I must abandon the second thing, all distractions. This is what Paul tells us. He says, my word, serve the Lord. Do whatever it will help you. Serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. What's the most important, valuable commodity in the end time of our lives is not the Bitcoin was up over a million, I think, at a time. It came down and the gold comes down and Crude oil comes down and go up, and the dollar and, and the euro and the pound and all this stuff. That's not valuable commodities. 
to have five cars. That's nothing. You can only drive one at a time. Can you imagine I come with two cars at the same time to the church? My one leg in this window, my other leg in that window of the other car, and here I'm coming. That's disastrous. That's not valuable. What is valuable is time. You can never get time back. If I must make a test, how many of you, what you know today, you know it years ago, then you would say, my life will be completely different. Because time, Ephesians 5, what does Paul says? Redeem the time. So you cannot be on a date with God. You belong to God. That's why you cannot say, I love him, but you don't have time for him. Because time is the most valuable thing you will ever have in your life. There's people fighting right now with life support machines that wish they can redeem time. Help me. And this is the most powerful thing. That's why distractions is Satan's way. How to get you off in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Listen what Paul says here. Acts chapter 20, 24. Paul says, I'm saying this for your, ah, but my life is worth nothing to me. It's useless. He didn't mean I'm now careless. He says, I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. So what was the word? The great commandment and the great commission. Love your neighbor, love God above everything, heart, soul, spirit, strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then, what's the great commission? Go and make disciples of all nations. And this is what Paul says, but my life is worth nothing to me. In other words, I'm not self-centered. It's not about me, 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 me all the time. It's about I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. This is what Paul says. He was focused. He was driven. He had to adopt God's plan. Come on. He was in prison writing these letters. And this is the, the most power. Somebody step on your ingrown toenail if they, they didn't hang around you. Or the, well, I'm angry. I'm angry. No, 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 no. That's distractions. Well, I've been hurt. If I had to go and sit at home of hurt, and you know, I'm 49 years and full time. No, no, how long? What did I say the other day? Yeah, 49 years and full time ministry. Can you imagine? Some of you are not 49 yet. How many stuff? I had to shake it off and say, My word, let me rise up again. Because Satan's way is he will use any tactic to get you out of what's important for God, that it will be important to us. And this is the thing. Do I going to focus on God's agenda or on my own agenda? 
God bless my plan. God, and then he doesn't bless and said, God said, I want you, I want to bless my plan already has the blessing on. When you do my plan, your plans will be automatically blessed. Come on, people. This is the, the key word of everything that you must realize this because Satan plan from the beginning is for us, I said, not to work with God so that you will be fruitful. What did the scripture in Genesis 1, God created them, speak the blessing so that they can be fruitful, multiply, fruitful, bear fruit. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of one believer is another believer. So what's the instruction of God? How will people know that we are His disciples? He didn't say, oh, good, I can preach. And the sick, and I've seen the dead raised. I've seen supernatural stuff happen. I've seen the oil flow. I've seen manna appear. I've seen the gold appear. We've seen this. But that's not the sign. The sign that the world will know that you are his disciple is by your love. To love people. Love God. Love people. What's the instruction of Jesus? How can we become fruitful? What is God's agenda? Love God. Love people. What is Christianity? Love God. Love people. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love God. Love people. That's what it's about. Not about my thing and my, and we have so many of that operating in the world right now. And this is not God's plan. God is looking for a generation now that will say, here's my heart. I will do it your way. No longer my will, God, but your will will be done. You cannot become an Olympic champion. By sitting on the stoop, drinking five, two liters a day, eat every chocolate you can get, and then you want to go and run. No, they exercise, they there. When we asleep, they on the track. When we have weekends, they practice. Help me. When they want to give up, the guy that's helping them, the coach, say, no, one more time. I've been in the gym, and this boy, my word, he was doing the world championship, and his coach had him there in the sauna and with a black plastic bag on. I thought, my word, woof, woof, poodle, doggy. And then he had to do this until the blood came through his skin. Then the coach said, now you're ready. I thought, my word. This is to another level. We as believers, the Bible describes you in three levels. You are a farmer. You are a soldier. And you are an athlete. Run the race. Run the race. Not him who come first, he who complete. This race we are on is to complete the race. Paul says, how is it possible that you start in the spirit and in the flesh? So I must adopt God's agenda. God's agenda is about people. That's why Jesus gave his life, that we can win the last for any cost. 
the only thing you take into eternity is people. You don't take fame, money, nothing. People. Where's the people that you're going to take with? And then, abandon all that distract you. Paul Address, or the author of the book of Hebrews says, he says, cast it away, everything that so easily beset you, distract you, and sin. So distractions and sin are on the same level. He didn't say, ask the Lord, said, we must, that's my part, to cast it away. Because what takes your time? People say, well, I am sold out for God. Show me your time schedule and your money, and I will tell you if you adopt God's agenda. What you spend most your time on and your money on, that's what you have embraced in life. Help me, somebody. And that's why there's a reshuffling in the spirit. There's a clarion call of the Holy Spirit right now. If the church was the, in that place where they're supposed to be, oh my word, every stadium will be packed today. Help me, somebody. And this is the thing, because Proverbs 19.21, and I'm closing, says, People may plan all kinds of things, but the Lord's will, the Lord's will is, is going to be done. The Lord's purpose, says the King James, will prevail. Many other plans in a man's heart, but it's only the purposes of God that will prevail. Purposes of God. I will be busy with my or with God's. And that's not a boring life. He wants you to enjoy life and have life, but live out the divine purpose of God for your life. And I'm closing. I ask the question again, how do I know I'm busy with God or mine? It's how I spend my time and how I spend my money. Tells me whose agenda am I busy with. Brother and sister Kappa was telling the story in the 8 a.m. service that I preach. Lived in Port Elizabeth. What's the new name? Kobecha, Kamecha, Kashuku, whatever it was. Had a big transport business. They went on a Sunday morning to the service and there was tongues and interpretation and prophecy about them. The Lord's never against you. You must know it when you have things. He doesn't want things to have you. And the prophecy went, sell everything you have and follow me. I have a calling on your life and the Lord said you will never have lack. They left that service, mixed emotions, angry. Why does God, they enjoy what they are doing, but they knew there was a tuck on their hearts from young age that God called them. So they went, didn't go the next Sunday, and then they went the Sunday after that. The prophecy again, 
I'm speaking to you the second time. Now, if God is so specific, oh, my word, you must know you, there's trouble. He said, Satan is out. He's looking at you. Sell everything you have. And follow me. They got so angry, they went back that same Sunday. The phone calls came. The trucks had accidents and then turned over. And the one accident. Now, it's never God. God is not the author of confusion. He reveals the snake. John chapter 10 comes only to kill, steal, and to destroy. So now they're so angry with God and with the pastor and with the word that went out. And uh, went back to church the last, the Lord said, the last time I'm speaking to you. So in the second time she said, let's sell all the trucks and buy a chicken farm. <laughs> Say booby trap. See, Satan has a booby trap. He's got a booby trap. Sell everything, bought this chicken farm. That's when they went the th third time. So time went, they didn't go, and then they went again. And the Lord said, Satan is going to devour. He wants to devour you. Scripture, he wants to separate you from the great calling. You're so valuable. You're the most valuable asset on the face of the earth is people. Not buildings, not cars, not your false teeth. People, people. They went home. The chickens, they had eggs and everything. The chickens will sit like that and just turn over dead, one after the other. Big, 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 big chicken farm. They tried to outrun God. They start putting a sign up, slaughter chickens to buy. That was the chickens that just dropped dead. Cheap, every car passed by. More chickens start dying. Nobody buys a chicken. They later on had a sign, chickens, slaughter chickens for free. Not one car stopped to buy a chicken or get a free chicken. They lost everything. Pastor Aaron's got this call. Come to the Einlang in Port Elizabeth in the hospital. And there Sister Cup was with a life support machine. And while they're there, the alarms went on and she died. And Brother Cup grabbed his hair. He said, Mama, come back. We're going to work for the Lord now. And then he said, there was a time that we could have done it. We didn't want to. Now I want to. I cannot. Because as Pastor Aaron's walk in the Lord said, don't pray for a healing. Disobedience to my voice. And pride kick in. You see, pride comes in all shapes and forms. Can I tell you one more story? We were at the caravan park that we had. And a very, very, very wealthy family came. 
to our services and sweet, short little husband, big auntie, sweet, own lots of money. She will phone me, she said, now in that years, in the 90s, end 80s, beginning, she said, my granddaughter is turning 21. Do you think 21,000 rand is enough for a birthday present? I thought, my Lord. A lot of money, very wealthy. Her husband one day in the service was so moved and he came to me to the pulpit and said, the Lord said, I must give you my valiant VIP. Valiant VIP. They had a flesh color. After the service and he said, remember now this week, come and fetch the card. She said, what do you say? What do you say? She said, I will see. So she phoned me two days later. She said, come and celebrate God with us. I had a miracle. I sold the Valiant VIP for more than what we bought it. I mean, rich. I went there. I said, God bless you. I'm not moved. My friendship with people is never about money and cars. It's never. And I know very famous people. It's never about that. And the service again, and the Spirit of God moved, and she said, the Lord said, I must give the church 150,000. Her, she, she even went, tears running down her cheeks. She said, that's what the Lord tell me. A week later, she phoned me. She said, oh, my word, God told me, but I cannot do it. She said, I am handing my estate over to my daughter. Her son died. who was a multimillionaire. She inherited everything. Sad stories. So years went by. The uncle died and we buried him. And years went by. Haven't heard from this family. Nothing. Got a call from the old age home. It's a lady. She cannot die. She calls you. I walked in. I didn't know who it was. Here's the same auntie. And the Lord said, you don't pray for her healing. Unless she repent, I will heal her. Otherwise, she's going to die today. Now, to hear something like that, see repentance, to say, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. We've all made mistakes, and we're still going to make mistakes because pride hinders us to say, I am wrong. There were times that I was not wrong in my life that I had to go and ask people and say, will you forgive me for anything I've done? Well, you didn't do anything. We were, I said, just forgive me. I said, I don't want the detail because I've learned I never sleep angry. I never stand up in the morning angry. I never. I don't do it. Life is too short. Promises are new every morning. Don't worry. It's not 11 yet. And here we're landing. I stood there next to her and hold her hand. The stench in the room was horrible. She was busy dying of cancer. And if you know me, I'm a fixer. I want to see people better than what I ever can be. And I said, said her name and took her by the hand. And she said, why didn't I do what I said? And then she shouted again, my money, 
my money, my money. That was her God. I left that room that day. I was heartbroken. Because I love people. And she died that day. We've got a couple. They worked for us. I think now 35 years that they work for me. At the big property. LWPC, our caretakers. She passed away. She walked into my office. She grabbed my desk. And she looked at me. She was working here. And she said, the specialist just said, I'm going to die. But I cannot die. I need to win just one more person for God. And she was powerful. She did our prayer. And she played guitar. And she was just phenomenal. She said, I cannot die. Can you arrange a car to take me to Block Center that I can go and tell people before I die about Jesus? I said, Bulma, I'll arrange that. Bulma went that day and she came back. And she said, I'm ready to die. She died. It was about two weeks later that we went to witness to people in that same area. Every shop assistant, every bank teller, every person in that center. When we say, we just want to tell you that Jesus loves you, they say, you're too late. There was a woman here two weeks ago. She told each and every one of us, and we gave our lives. Christ now this morning the tuck of the Holy Spirit on God's church all over the world will you adopt God's agenda if you're not saved he wants to save you if you're saved he wants to refire you say Jesus from this day on I will not let somebody pass me until I show them this great love because it was mercy that rewrote our lives this morning let go of distractions Distractions reward at the end. You will be defeated. We had a powerful, powerful musician here in the church. Two incidents. His family did the worship for me at LWPC. I love them. Took them to Mossel Bay, Harton Boss. Solid Marna was with and this family. One day. I got a phone call. Come, where are you? We want to come and greet you. I said, are you going on holiday? I said, no, we move out of Cape Town. They were building contractors. I said, move. I've seen you Sunday. This is Tuesday. How does this work? They say, God aside. I said, whoa. So I rushed to their home. I said, before you make any hasty decisions, just share it with me. 
I don't know it all, and I'm not controlling, but I want to help you because something stirred you, and I know it was not God. Came there, he said, and you're not going to, he was ugly, he said, and you're not going to convince me. My wife had a red telephone on God's desk. She say, God, then he picks up. But I said, he said, and she heard, I said, did you hear from, he said, no, you know, I don't hear from God. She hears every time. He said, okay. I said, I beg you, don't do this. It's too late. We have made up our minds. They went. I said, where are you going? They told me the town. What you're going to do there? They've got these big business deals. And I know there's trouble. There's a snake in the garden. Her heart was broken. Not because of the worship that they do. The whole family, everyone, musical talent. But because of they follow their way and not God's way. Two, three weeks later, the phone rang. And I picked up and I heard this depressed voice. Hello? Who's that? And he said his name. He said, my word, how are you doing? We miss you. He said, well, this was not as God said it would be. Oh. We defeated. said, everything is the opposite. I said, let me pay your way. I'll pay everything. Just come back to God's plan. He said, what will the people say? Pride. He said, oh, the people, just do it. He said, no, we cannot. Flew down without anything. Bought them a vehicle. He said, I just want you to get back. So here went by two years and he died. Got this phone call. Young, 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 young. Said, what did he die of? A heart attack. Okay. So the pastor where he worshipped and myself became friends. And I said, Isn't it sad that this gentleman died of a heart? He said, heart attack. I said, no. He said he became a complete alcoholic. He died of cirrhosis of the liver. Oh my God. God's agenda for our lives is more important than anything else. And I hear the call of the Lord. Will you adapt my agenda? And this is not emotional. This is not that this is the word. So that that love that God has for us, that we can demonstrate it to a sick and a dying world. God's going to save your family. He's going to turn situations around. But this is your morning. Two calls. The first one, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, you never prayed the sinner's prayer, this is your morning to say, Jesus, here am I. Forgive me my sin. Wash me in the blood. Put my name in the book of life. I prayed this prayer 54 years ago. God, not one day disappoint me. I disappoint him a billion times. Is there anybody that doesn't know Jesus? Just raise your hand. I want to help you this morning. If you don't know him as Lord and Savior, thank you, sir. Thank you. 
anybody else. This is your morning. This is your morning. The second altar call. Every person in this room that says this morning, Gustav, I'm going to adopt God's agenda for my life, even if it costs me a price. And I'm let go of everything that distracts me. The world, the cares, job assignments, anything can distract you. Family, people can distract you from the greatest assignment of your life. I know people that was called for a greater cause than the mother decide or the father decide. They, not, they cannot do it because and at the end those children end up in the streets. Drugs high. And we help them to restore and they will tell you I have a, had a calling on my life but somebody else decide. But you must come to the place where you decide. It's God. I adopt your agenda to get the lost saved. If that's you, will you stand with me with the people who said they want to give their hearts to the Lord? And will you, will you pray with him the sinner's prayer in this building this morning? There's enough people in this house to turn the world upside down, to change the atmosphere. What's the the practical side, come. Tomorrow night there's 7 o'clock. The amazing race, come to get in a life class. Come that you can be equipped. Pastor Yaku that's here and my children started off as young people. And today they powerful, powerful ministers of the gospel. Powerful. Pastor Ulrich was a drug pusher. He came out of the rehab. And he prayed this prayer, and today he's one of the powerful preachers in this, this ministry. She was an alcoholic. God set her free. Pastor Sean, so I can go on names and tell you, it's all about Jesus this morning. Can we do something? Let's move over the aisles and just take a hand. Sean, lovey, come and pray for us. Lead us in this prayer. Adopt God's agenda. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, this morning as you you taken us by the hand and walked us through your garden, Lord, and shared some important, life-changing steps that we need to take. And I pray that you will touch each and every one of us this morning as we set aside the distractions of the world, Lord, and as we focus our eyes toward you, as we lift our hearts, Lord, and just turn to you, knowing that there's a calling on each and every one of our lives. 
There's a purpose and there's a plan for each and every one. And this morning we say, Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done for my life. I pray that you will touch. You have touched us this morning, Father. You have stirred us this morning, Father. And you have called us out of a place of complacency. You have called us out of a place of, it's okay, I'm right here, but we are not all right. We need to step up, step out, and do more, be more, so the world can see that we serve a living God, a God that has purpose, that has plan, that has a love that is so big and so wide and so deep that you gave your only son so that we can live in abundance, Father God. And it's not about money, it's about the plan. It's about reaching those out there who don't have and don't serve you. I pray that you will touch each and every one of us this morning, Father. As you walk through, Father, as you meet with us where we are individually, Father God. As you change our lives this morning, we walk out of this place changed. We walk out of this place this morning renewed, Father God. We walk out of this place knowing that you love us so much and you've given, Father God, so that we can go out there and tell the world that our God lives. And He is alive. And we will walk and we will show the world that you are God and God alone. Take us this morning as we go, Father God. This word that you have shared with us this morning. This love that is so big, Father God. All you want is for us to walk with you. For us to journey with you, Father. For us to be who you've called us to be, Lord. Align us with your word, Father God. Help us to be obedient to the call this morning, Father. The clarion call, the loud call, the clear call, Father God. There is no murky waters here. It is God and God alone. Guide us this morning, Father God. Help us to have that, that faith to step out and step in, Father God. And make the difference and be the difference as you journey with us. Your word teaches us that my word will not return void unto us. It will do what I sent it to do. Just trust me. Just believe. And just place your faith in me and I will walk with you. I will take you by the hand and I will guide you. And I will surround you with angels. And I will raise up people around you who will walk with you. Who will show you the way. Because I've been with them too, says the Lord. Today is new, new beginnings, new things, Father God. The time has come that we become serious with the world, with the will of God, and the plan of God over our lives. Not my will be done, Father, but your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. So as we go, Lord, guide us. As we go, Father God, awaken that spirit inside of us. Help us to think about this, Lord. Help us to apply this, Father God, to our lives so that we can be different. Take us as we go, Lord, now. In Jesus' name we pray. And I thank you for a word. I thank you, Father, for, for an obedient Father in this house. 
I thank you, Lord, that it's actually not so complicated. It's just, yeah, my Lord, use me. Take us this morning, Father God. Touch each and every one of us here, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. If you need personal prayer, just come. People is going to pray. We're going to dismiss the service. But there's people, if you need healing in your body.